Hey, hey everyone, how's it going today? Welcome to News and Views and a Blurry Scott Fox. Hey buddy, that's a nice shirt you got on there. Oh, there it goes. Thank you. Finally, my flicking real shirt. <laughs> that's right. And if anyone else likes how that shirt looks, make sure to pop in the description and go down on the very bottom. And we have product links. So check that out. Uh, bring this up here. There we go. Let's fix this. There we go. And yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. We've been we've been busy. We've been doing a bunch of different stuff, but now we are back. And what is that cool thing you have behind you there, Scott? It looks like you got a nice solid background. Uh, well, my kids have this thing called a nugget, and it's a a couch that you can build forts and do other things with. And I just took two of the pieces and made them a wall. Uh, that way, there's not a window behind me blocking the light, and there's also not uh, my kids' toys. <laughs> well, I got to be honest with you. It's a good look. It is a good look. That's what I went for. And plus it also, with that backlight from the window just made it brutal. So just trying to keep making improvements. I did been? also put a nice high shine on my forehead. Perfect. A little, a little polish on there. We appreciate it here. Um, how's your week been, buddy? Good. Busy. Uh, matter of fact, I almost missed being able to see... Eternals. And so last night as a last ditch to make sure I had it seen before today, I sprinted to the theater at 9.45 last night and I got I got home at 1 a.m. after seeing say, the movie. That's a long movie to start at, I guess probably after 10 by 10 the time p.m. It started. Yeah. yeah, wow. Alright, well if you guys are new to the show or you know, even if you're not, uh, we are your source for news, reviews, and daily discourse. I am your host every time and always, Jesse Swift, and accompanied by Scott Fox, as you know. But before we get going, we just want to remind those of you watching, whether live or replay, please take a moment to subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you are subscribed, what would be really cool is if you shared the link. We appreciate that. Here and also on Twitch, we're on Twitch under currently watching with Wingblade, sharing that with uh, my speakeasy co-host, Sean Wingblade. And just make sure you don't miss any of our news breakdowns or late night ramblings. So to do that, click the little bell icon. Uh, we're getting kind of close to 200 subs. I would love it if we could hit that by the end of November, just another 25 or so subscriptions. Help us get there in the next month so we can host a giant thank you stream. And uh, also please thumbs up the video. You are our greatest weapon against the brutal YouTube algorithm. Lastly, if you do wish to support the channel, there's a great many ways to do so. See on the bottom there? Streamlabs.com. You can also submit your questions through Super Chat. We would be happy to answer those and feature them. Uh, yeah, yada, yada, yada. Really important, though, check us out. Um, this show is always on our audio feed. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. The Speakeasy doesn't go on there just because it's a uh, it's a lot going on there, and I think it's more fun to watch than it is to listen to. But this show and all your weekly news information will be on there. Also, our fresh out-of-theater reviews that we've done now for Dune, Last Night in Soho, and The Eternals is on audio only. With that, once again, <laughs> check out our merch link. Uh, this list of things, I keep trying to shrink it, and it keeps getting longer. So lots of things to talk about. All right, with that out of the way, we're going to get into the section of the show that was introduced by Scott, much to his chagrin, because I've used it against him. But that is our yes. trivia warm-up, which I think is a lot of fun for the people watching and us as well. 
Scott, you said you had some fun ones for me. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, Maxwell was on the speakeasy last night. He said, thanks to your show last night, I didn't get to sleep until 6.30 a.m. I believe it. You were a welcome addition there. Thanks for coming by. I actually tuned in because I got in. I got home so late from watching the movie. So I pulled up, and you guys had already finished. So I pulled up and kind of watched the video and kind of jumped to some parts. And he had some great insights about some of the topics we're going to discuss today. Um, really nice discussion. And I really enjoyed your guys' discussion. Hopefully it's not a complete rehash. Well, we're going to have to beat around the bush I a really little more because I'm trying to keep it spoiler-free uh, this time around. My camera. It's okay. Um, I can hear you good. That's but thing. Uh, can you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you great. So the audio for the audio listeners, uh, Scott's camera's in and out, but you don't care because you can still hear that sweet serenade of Mr. Fox's voice in your ears. Hit me with some tr- oh, and a palm. Hit me with some of that beautiful trivia there, Scott. Okay. Well, I'm trying to get this to work appropriately, so you just have to bear with me while the camera tries to. If reconnect. you would like, I can I can do mine while you're trying to do that, and you can just hold no, no, no. I can. I've done what it needs to do. It's just a matter of it's turning itself back on. Um, okay. But I can ask the questions real quick, and then I'll keep arm wrestling my camera. Um, right. So ask your questions, Bridge Keeper. I'm not afraid. Your category, and I know I always love to save this till right before we start, mm-hmm. uh, is holiday movies jesse Ooh, holiday just in time movies. for the big holiday of the year thanksgiving <laughs> yes yes uh and it is the kickoff to the holiday season that is exactly why i thought about it uh last time we did this i did um uh kind of uh a thing or a halloween scary movie feel horror movies and this time i decided to take the holiday track so here is question numero uno name four actors who have portrayed Ebenezer Scrooge on the big screen. And I say four because I could think of three quickly. That fourth one. I'm at two quickly. So like by two is you got Jim Carrey and Michael Caine. Those are two that I came up with immediately. Okay. Um, Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, nope, that counts. Uh, no, I yeah, that's Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> that's not Ebenezer Scrooge. This question was Ebenezer Scrooge. No, no but he the the the, <laughs> um, the Christmas Carol, like the Disney Christmas Carol that he did. I think he was Scrooge. Was, was that a, was that on the big screen? I uh, think it might have been. Well, you're still you're still short one even at that. I am still short one. <laughs> Man, I am so uncultured with holiday films. Uh, Maxwell knows. He has. He said, "I have my answer ready, but I'm not typing it out yet." Um, just so I was thinking, Bill Murray. That doesn't count, right? Uh, Bill Murray. Scrooge. He wasn't Scrooge. He was. Right. Uh, uh, he. Uh, I don't want to give too much away because there's no. He. He's. He plays Frank Cross. Yeah. So. Well, you know what? I I submit, and let's let's have Maxwell blow it up in the chat. Show us how smart you are. There you go, Michael Caine. Albert Finney, Jim Carrey, George C. Scott, Gregory Peck, um, Patrick Stewart, uh, Christopher wow. Plummer, uh, Seymour Hicks, Guy Pierce, Tim Curry, oh my gosh. Basil, Basil Rathbone, Basil Rathbone. There's a bunch of them. Um, uh, <laughs> all right. So number two, in Christmas says, I hate this game. Then. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, I got something that just stumped a couple people at least. Uh, but uh, clearly Maxwell would know know these. Um, 
in uh, in Christmas Vacation, what duo played Clark's children, Russ and Audrey? Uh, well, Russ is the guy from <laughs> Big Bang Theory, uh, Leonard, whose name I cannot. So I'm going to out myself right now. I don't think I'm very good at Christmas trivia. <laughs> uh, your your answers are Johnny Galecki, who's the who's Leonard, and okay. Juliet Lewis. Right. Young versions of both. The fun part about the vacation movies is that that duo of Russ and Audrey change, change like every, every movie. movie. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. Next on our list. What brand of watch does John Candy's character, Del Griffith, attempt to trade for a hotel room in planes, trains, and automobiles? Is it a Rolex? Mm, no, sir. Now, Steve Martin trades a $17, $17 and a real nice watch. And John Candy gives $2 and a Casio. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, needless to say, he gets sent back out to the car I'll, that has been burnt to crisp. I'll, be, uh, I'll just be leaving then. <laughs> All right. Number four on the list. In 1988's movie Scrooged, the ghost of Christmas past appears to Frank Cross, Bill Murray's character, as what? So I saw Scrooge once when I was like 12. <laughs> so apparently I am Scrooge. I am the Scrooge because... Uh, You're Baham? Humbugger? I, I, would, I would have accepted some Jingle All the Way trivia, but I think outside oh. of that, <laughs> I'm pretty spent. But the great wow. thing is I'm also old, so... Zero I'm for old five. Zero no, this is five. just four so far. Oh, it's zero um, four. Okay. Uh, he There's appears a as a Ghost of Christmas Past appears as a taxi driver, and it's played by David Johansson, uh, who also was known as B Buster Poindexter and had a uh, limited run as a um, successful musician in a band. Yeah, I got to be harder. I think, random or, stuff. I got to be honest. I think you're making these harder every week. <laughs> Well, I think after the lamb basting I took the last time we were on, I, I just, and actually the, the funny thing is I knew every one of these off the top of my head without even having to think about it. <laughs> All right. Like but again, again, I'm, questions. I'm, I'm old in 1983's movie trading places starring Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy, hmm. the Randolph and Mortimer Duke wager on what would happen if a street hustler and a successful investor traded places, how much was their wager? Uh, huh. uh, $25,000. $1. They ruin his life for a $1 wager. <clears throat> well, now and now I'm ready for I... my beatdown. <laughs> no, I gave you easier ones this week. I feel, you made me feel bad last week, and now I have regrets. Yeah, Wingblade nailed it. One dollar. Yes. And at the very end, after uh, they successfully uh, overtake the Dukes at the stock exchange, they mock them by, oh, I forgot. Here's your one dollar and gives it back to the other guy. Um, it's a it's a such a good, fun movie. All right, everybody. Well, um, we'll <laughs> so what's my category? Trivia, trivia part two. Your category is bad plot summaries. Oh, <laughs> yes, I love this game. Okay, 
right, and maybe some of these, because I, I, I didn't do too hard of research on this, so these shouldn't be too hard. You might go five for five, but we'll see. Well, I've done this to you before, reading the IMDb plot summary on, I think the first horror movie when I did, I read plot summaries of horror movies, so let's do it. <clears throat> and just a reminder to get out of the chat for this one, because people oh, might be all over this thank one. Thank you. All right. Um, <clears throat> All right, number one is romanticizing Stockholm Syndrome, literally. Let's see if anyone in the chat's got it. Oh and my if gosh. You guys th- if you guys think this is a fun game, please again share the link. Romanticizing Stockholm Syndrome. That's where you sympathize with your abuser. Um, Would love to have more people come in. Uh, hold on. Is this. Um... Oh, something tells me I want to say passengers, even though I don't think that's right. Because that's another one where she falls in love with the guy who basically sends her to death. All right. Well, uh, it won't be uh, five for five, but we're looking for Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> okay. No, right. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Maybe you've heard this one before. <laughs> Number two. Uh... Talking frog convinces kid to kill his father. Uh, Star Wars. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, correct. There you go. There's one right there. All right. I didn't I didn't owe for it. Nope, you did not know over today. Number three. An addict takes advantage of a mentally challenged boy for three decades. An addict? Takes advantage of a mentally challenged boy for three decades. Oh my gosh. Come on, Sean. Where are you at? We got silence in the chat. An addict takes advantage of a mentally challenged boy for three decades. Oh, come on. Five, I'm going to punch myself four, as soon as you say what this three. is. What is it? One, Forrest Gump. <laughs> oh my gosh! I was crying. That's so that that's so messed up. That's so good though. Oh, man. All right, uh, number four. And speaking of four, four kids come out of the closet and are armed by Santa. Let's see if. It- Anyone guess this one? Four Sean kids. had no clue on the last one. Four come kids out come closet. out of the closet and are armed by Santa. What do I feel like this is a kid's movie? Might be. Uh, I'm uh, I'm going to go ahead and be honest. I'm blanking on this. Oh, All right. Man, that's so bad. I'm glad I, I got Star Wars. There's... Uh, you're looking for Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Because <laughs> Father Seriously? Christmas. Seriously? <laughs> I couldn't pull Wardrobe from Closet? Dear goodness. And are armed by Santa. Only three of them got weapons from Santa, by the way. Two of them got weapons. One got a uh, healing draft, but the other one wasn't there to see Santa. He got nothing. Uh, you're, but that's right. That is that is the problem with my hatred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Like, that was not a very story accurate description. <laughs> You're absolutely right. 
All right, uh, number five, your final one. This is my favorite description and always how I will refer to this movie as now. Number five, a series of epic naps composed by Hans Zimmer. Oh, Maxwell <laughs> Maxwell got the, uh, the Narnia one. Good job, buddy. A, a series of epic naps composed by Hans Zimmer. Sean says he knows this one. Ooh. <laughs> and you are correct. Inception. The hey, there you go, buddy. You got yes. a couple of them. Oh, oh man. Inception. You know what's sad is I was I was stuck on Man of Steel. Like he doesn't sleep in this movie that much. <laughs> but but whenever I think Hans Zimmer, I think Man of Steel soundtrack. You could have almost said Dune. They weren't naps, but he had visions. Weird dream sequences. All right, guys. Well, that is it for the trivia. Moving on to some of the main topics. As you guys saw from the top, uh, we're going to be talking about Eternals, Eternals, some Spider-Man poster, and then a little bit about what are we watching and reading. So, Scott, I am so curious because, you know, you talked about we don't talk about trivia until the show starts. I have no idea how you felt about this movie. None at all. Mm. I'm not positive, negative. For all I know, you could have loathed it. I am so curious to hear your overall thoughts without getting into spoilers for Eternals. Um, but I just realized that is our second topic. So we do have to start out with, let me, let me do, actually, no, let me know if you like to give me, give me like three sentences, a few sentences of how you felt, and then we'll get into more when we get into our main discussion. Okay. I went in already understanding that the critics did not like the movie and fans did. And I'm, I historically more side with fans. Uh, and after watching it, I cannot fathom in my mind a 48% Rotten Tomato score. I just can't. Is it the best movie I've ever seen? No. Is it bad? No. It's actually highly entertaining. And it's a much more of a thinker. I'm a I'm a hardcore history buff, and I love mythology, uh, Greek Roman mythology. At being a pastor, I love uh, ancient religions, and the things that they do in this are so good that I can't wrap my head around why it got a 48% critic score. I'll be honest; I would easily recommend this, and if I was just giving you a score out of 10, I'd say an eight which falls in line with the 80 or 81% on Rotten Tomatoes, which by the way, can I just say why people trust Rotten Tomatoes? I have no idea. It's got the worst grading system there is and it's trash as far as actual scoring. All right, I'll leave it at that, but Rotten Tomatoes equals trash. Well, Eternals equals pretty good movie. You should see it. Let's uh, with that. Um, bring up the Rotten Tomatoes for Eternals and currently where it's sitting. Uh, we're going to do, we're going to analyze uh, the performance of Eternals, talking about kind of where reviews are at right now, as well as box office performance. But let's start out with the hot topic. This is what everybody wants to talk about. Let's scroll down here a little bit. Boom, right there. Looking at 48% after 300 reviews for critics. And 80% with audience, which the audience is even dropping. It, audience started out about 86%, but this is with 5,000 plus verified ratings. That's something that Rotten Tomatoes did after Captain Marvel. 
they made it to where you have to show proof of basically seeing the film, like a ticket or along those lines. So 80% is not bad. 80% is kind of where I would expect because, because it's a longer movie, it's a denser movie. I don't think it's for everybody, but the way that the rating system works with Rotten Tomatoes is like, you basically have your review and it's like a recommendation after that. It's do yes, go see this movie or no, don't waste your time. And so the fact that you're telling me more than half the critics are essentially saying the movie's not worth watching blows my mind. But um, That was exactly what I was trying to say is I can't fathom how that many people, how more than half of the people can't or wouldn't recommend this. And I know last night you talked about it. Yeah, okay, Knight's Tale is at a 59. Venom, uh, whatever the carnage crap is, uh, has a 59. Like how, those are not better than this. This movie was really good um i know there's a lot of characters and there's some characters i definitely wanted more time with but the characters that they did really focus on you got engaged emotionally with them in the story um there's i just i can't fathom how less than half the people would say yeah you should see this based on what i i agree and um lost my train of thought here for a second I want to kind of look at this compared to some of the other um, Marvel movies that have come out this year and look at some of their rankings. So we have, look, let's look at Black Widow. This shocked me because it's for me personally, I think Black Widow is one of the weaker Marvel films. Not an awful film. I just think it doesn't stack up to the general quality. Uh, are we loading? We might be loading. There we are. So we got a 79%. That is a whopping, what, almost, it's about, that's 30, that's 30% higher. 30%. Again, I don't see it. I don't think Black Widow's an 80%. Basically, that's an 80. I thought Black Widow was more about a 7. And the audience score of a 91 is definitely high for me. Um, it's good, but I think Eternals is better. Because also Eternal presented me something new, not a character's backstory that's dead. Right. I think that like I'm not saying I'm not trying to knock Black Widow. Black Widow was a good movie and it deserves what it got. Um, to an extent. I think those scores are a little high. I just think how do you take that bar and then take Eternals and say Eternals is way down here? If anything, it's on par. What I what I want to look at kind of is the correlation between like reviewer acceptance and box office. So if we look at Black Widow, um, I'll leave the Rotten Tomatoes up for right now, but Black Widow had an opening weekend of... I think 85? 80. Um, $80 million. Okay. And it went on to gross $379 million worldwide, um, which is interesting because Shang-Chi actually opened... Uh, 75 million a little less but now worldwide because of great reviews um it is at 427 so it's got about 30 more million dollars at the worldwide box office and that's with still not being opened in china shang yeah. never opened in china so i think that's really impressive and what that speaks to is the audience's willingness to accept new characters in if the film's really good i thought or it feels that way. I thought I thought that's what it meant because Black Widow is a character we've known, but it, even though critically it did okay, it performed less. And I think another part of that might be also 
less repeat viewings because you can also get it on Disney Plus at that point. That was the only of these three Marvel movies to be released on uh, Disney Plus. Yes, Shang-Chi. Um, I just read an article this morning that Spider-Man No Way Home will be the first Marvel movie to be released in China in 2021. Hmm. Which is a major box office. Yeah. Because that's... Uh... The Asian box office, uh, China and Japan, has surpassed the American box office worldwide, usually, for dollars uh, in the bank. But the – I just – okay, so Marvel also has a track record of producing really good stuff with new characters. We've seen it, even team-ups. Um, and granted, uh, you know, what James Gunn did with Guardians of the Galaxy is uh, kind of a unique thing, but – uh, Shang-Chi is fantastic, and it deserves those scores. It's a really good movie. Shang-Chi, um, as of this moment, is the highest review, or like the, the best reviewed MCU film, which is, I love it. It's not in my top five, and I think it didn't quite, I just recently, for uh, the spectacular stream we're doing next weekend, I crafted my MCU ranking list for the first time, which is a daunting task. It's terrifying. Yeah. 26 um, movies now? 26 movies, that's exactly right. <laughs> And that's a lot to try and stack up. It is. I, I kept bouncing around. I would like build a little top, build a little bottom, and then kind of like ship the middle around a bunch. So uh, here's a question. Where'd you yes. slide Eternals? I will say Eternals. I don't want to give my whole list away because that's it's going to be a goal tier. So if you guys come over and donate um, ah, as we hit certain go. goals, we're going to start revealing that as part of it. Um, so Shang-Chi is my number one through ten. Wow. <laughs> Uh, well, some people have it's a good movie, it's really, really good movie, and it deserves those ratings. So, uh, I have no fault with anybody putting it near the top. It's not personally my top Marvel movie. Uh, there's a couple that I kind of rotate in and out of those top three categories, um, based on how I feel that day. But I'll say this Eternals, rewatchable. I feel like I could go watch that movie again and again. I don't know if I'll ever watch Black Widow again. You know, I might throw it on once again, uh, but it's not like something I'd be like, oh, I don't know what to watch. If I didn't know what to watch, I would totally throw Eternals on because there's well, so much cool stuff going on in that movie story wise. I will watch Black Widow whenever I do that big, daunting Marvel marathon. Here's the thing, though. I'm watching Black Widow after Civil War. When I'm doing my rewatches, you have to I'm, put I'm it in the right. You have to put yeah. it in the right sequence because I think it really comes across as detached if you watch it in release order even with the like infinity war stinger and stuff that it has uh but you're asking about my ranking for eternals so here it is i didn't know it was going to do this when i was doing my rankings but i was like oh did i like it more than this and less than this and it's bouncing around eternals is number nine of 26 for me which is pretty high that's top 10 that's that pretty good 10. especially that means it's better than over 60% of the movies. Yeah. And I, I was like, wait, is that right? Because somebody asked me, I was like, well, I don't think it's in my top 10. And then I started looking at the list. I was like, ooh, I like it more than a lot of these movies, to be honest. Uh, so, yeah, one of the reasons we're bringing this up, we're looking at Rotten Tomatoes scores and we're looking at box office and stuff, is we want to do a little bit of predictions. And you guys that are watching the show, please, we got a poll going in the chat right now. Let us know where you think the movies are going to land. Um, let's see, right now, let's edit this. Eternals opened. 
So Eternals opened to $71 million, which is right in line. I think a little bit less than Shang-Chi, but right in the same ballpark and about $10 million less than Black Widow. But as we saw, the opening weekend doesn't always determine it. Shang-Chi was better received and turned out making more money in the long run. So my question is, with these mixed reactions on Rotten Tomatoes, and even with like some of the fans, not to the same degree, where do we think it's going to land? Is it going to be closer to Black Widow? Is it going to be less than? Could it catch up to Shang-Chi? Uh, I'll be honest. I think the hope is that it would. I don't see it, though. Unfortunately, that critic score, there there are too many people. And maybe I'm giving too much credit to Rotten Tomatoes. But there are too many people who listen to that garbage and then make a decision on whether they'll go see a movie based on an arbitrary number. You and I have, have always stood by, you got to you gotta trust the eye test. You have to see the movie with your own face and brain and allow it to digest what you saw. Taking other people's opinions for what movies you should like is, unless it's somebody you know for a fact has the exact same opinion in movies you like and same uh, uh, likes and dislikes in movies, you can trust their opinion. But I will say not Rotten always. Tomatoes. This movie is, I, I feel like Rotten Tomatoes is, has set this movie now up for failure. And uh, it's really unfortunate. And it's what's interesting though, is like, they're not crazy. I've talked to a lot of people I know personally that the movie didn't register with them. And mm -hmm. it's a strange experience for me. Um, and I do go to Rotten Tomatoes. I um, give them some, some level of validation there because I like to see the general consensus of things. Um, through yeah, with, but with my different critics. I just want to debate that for one quick second. The problem is once enough people have made a negative statement, it becomes the cool thing to do. And people will jump on board with that thinking, oh, I'm going to be ahead of the curve and, and poo-poo it. And too many people allow other people's opinions to affect their own opinion on the movie. And in doing so, it becomes this mob mentality towards it. And, and there are a lot of people, even people who are professional critics can fall victim to this. It is group think type of mentality. And once that, that needle starts moving that direction, it can start to, uh, it'll move unnecessarily. I'll, I'll be honest. If you really want the, the, the honest truth, take the aggregate split the fan audience score and the critic score. Cause guess what? There's a lot of fans out there giving scores who, love movies and know as much about movies as those critics do. And their voice is just as valid. They're not a certified critic, but they know just as much. And the problem is once that needle starts to go, people will jump on board with that, even though they may not feel it. And I, I do feel, I do want to stand on some box for a second here, but I feel like um, preconceived uh, feelings or expectations had a really big impact on the critical performance of this movie a lot of the complaints i'm hearing about i don't view them as issues with the film or the storytelling i view it as somebody trying to shove a square piece into a circle hole and being mad that it doesn't fit um and then i, I really want to address this because one of the reasons i would like to give more credit to rotten tomatoes is because it should represent a variety of diverse critics from different backgrounds, but I don't think that it does. Um, let's go back to the reason when Rotten Tomatoes completely fell apart, and that's when Captain Marvel was coming out, and the movie just got review bombed 
before uh, it ever released. And that was because Brie Larson made a statement um, about Wrinkle in Time, among some other things. And she said the vast majority, like 80% or something, I'm sorry for the dumpster truck I have going in the background, if you can hear it. But uh, she said that the vast majority of critics are like middle-aged white men critiquing a film with like a black lead and she's like i don't think this movie is for you i don't care about your opinion on this film i want to hear from more diverse voices um, about films that have more diversity in them whether that be in front of or behind the camera and what's ironic is brie larson has been then and now completely torn apart and villainized for this opinion that is complete or this this thought that is completely accurate i don't care what anybody says what she's saying is on the mark and you now look at a movie that is the most diverse thing we've ever gotten from marvel both in how it tells its story who's directing it and who's in front of the camera and it's getting torn apart by i think a not diverse enough uh census of critics and i think that needs to change but as long as we have this large group of people that are going against the brie larson thought process and like speaking your mind and things uh it's an issue we got galaxy of geeks coming in here saying i enjoyed this movie but i felt there was pacing issues the beginning is really quick then the middle felt really slow yeah uh i'm not gonna argue with that but i i it didn't feel uh excessively slow knowing how long the movie was i was actually kind of surprised it was already over um because it, it flowed pretty well for me but i am really engaged in the mythology type stuff so the middle of the movie when they're expressing some of those things really kind of touched for me um but we have a uh an asian female lead in this movie Gemma chan which by the way uh as uh Cersei is fantastic she did such a good job um and it's just crazy to me that, uh, and if we're talking the diversity, Kunal uh, Nanjiani as uh, Kingo is fantastic. He did a really good job. I wish we would have had a little more of him, but he had one of my favorite lines in the movie. I'm a, I'm a pastor, and so um, anything hate revolved bothers me. Um, and he had this line about how the fact that he disagreed with their stance but not enough to fight them. And then he was willing to be okay with not having to be in complete agreement with them. And he walked away from it at the very end. And it it was beautiful. Uh, I think I'm in love with Gemma Chan after this movie. She was so, so good. Um, And you emotionally connected with her. She's had relationship issues, all these other things. She's trying to become a leader and step out into her own. And we will we'll do do around yeah. spoilers a little yeah. bit. Try to, but um, sorry, yeah, I agree. With, I agree with everything that you said. Um, and I think that something that I think is unfortunate that we didn't get as much in my screening. But I was listening to another reviewer talk about it, and with the LGBTQ representation in the movie, um, apparently at his screening there is a brief moment of intimacy that was applauded. The entire theater erupted into applause because guess what? It was for them. There's people that got to see themselves on screen after 25 other films that didn't give it a second thought. And the fact that we have people that are trying to, um, you know, shoot that down or like shame Angelina Jolie for being proud of the film and proud of Marvel for not releasing it in other countries because they refuse to cut that out. 
good for you guys. I, I just can I just say something right quick? I wanna I wanna step aside from that specific the LGBTQ, and I just want to talk about the movie and that relationship dynamic of of him falling in love. They adopt a child. Had his partner been a female, that's the people would have said that that was the glue in the in the movie for the the characters because that's what caused him to fight so fiercely for this, which it did. I I'm a father of four kids. I felt his emotion and connection for wanting to care for his uh, his child and protect them and his his spouse. And it worked perfectly, but because it wasn't a female and it was a male, there's this uproar about it. And uh, it's such a sensitive topic, even though we're in the 21st century now, we think we should be moved past a lot of these things. People are still really sensitive to it. But for me, in the context of the movie, if we're just taking the social stuff out, in the context of the movie, that relationship worked because it emotionally engaged the movie and it made me believe his purpose for wanting to help. I 100% stand with you. I think that's a, a great point. And I really bristle up at the idea that anybody wants to say that any amount of uh, diversity or representation this movie felt forced because none of it did. No. Um, and I see Maddie Gunner, Gunner down here saying three people walked out of my screening at that part. It was so dumb. Um, I felt I was not uncomfortable, but I felt like uncomfortable because of my theater. Like there was a weird something in the air and i was like this is horrible because yeah like you said it's it's like the glue um the relations the glue of his character his arc and you look at um somebody else made a really great point when i was i was listening to a review and they talked about we have been presented with the reverse in like um you know like two girls in relationship sexualization for like 30 plus years in film and TV and nobody bats an eye, but we do the exact same thing with two guys. And in what Joker would say, everybody loses their mind and, and clearly a double standard. Right. Uh, so, I mean, we don't need to spend the whole time talking about this, but I wanted to address it because I think it's an issue. I think it's unfortunate. And I think that everyone for a variety of reasons should be going and supporting this film because we tell Marvel what we want to see with our spending dollar. And whether this film worked for you all the way or not, there's so many ideas in place and so many bold uh, strategies and things that they took and um, bold bold routes that I think Marvel needs to continue doing. If they want to stay fresh and relevant, they need to um, be you know diverse for the 80th time this episode. The uh, can I just say uh, there's so the the team of Eternals is so large. Um, that there were some that I didn't get enough screen time with. And then some, I felt like, okay, we've got great character development out of this people. Um, how do I say this without getting spoilers? I wasn't the biggest fan of Druig. And by the end of the movie, I was like, I love this character. I think by the end, like everybody had a strength Like we got less of some characters, but I will say without getting into things that, Last night when we were talking uh, spoilers, I said my two favorite characters uh, probably are actually Gilgamesh and Makari, which surprised oh. a lot of people because they don't have as much screen time as others, but they absolutely stood out to me. Gilgamesh was awesome. Makari was awesome. Thena, again, you could list the whole entire group. Uh, every one of them had 
a had redeeming characteristics and attributes to them that made you um, like them uh, in different ways and for different reasons. But they they were all there. Um, even um, Ajax, like yeah, the the total group dynamic. Uh, was fantastic and yeah sure I, I want more time with certain people but I don't want to um, I don't feel like any of them were so sparse that we we missed out if anything it just gave you a little bit of I, I wish I just had some more which bodes well because hopefully it does well enough that it warrants another Eternals and I'm sure that Marvel is not going to back down on this Disney's well, got enough money in their pocket the opening is strong. Um, I think now knowing what everything the other Marvel movies ended up on, um, I want to know both what you think and also what the people in the audience think. Remember, there is a poll in the chat there. Currently, the movie after the 71... Whoops, hang on. What is this echo I'm hearing? Okay. Anyways, uh, sorry. <laughs> so no the movie opened to $71 million and is currently sitting at 161 where do you think it's going to end up at? On the low end, we have Black Widow with about 390. Shang-Chi is about 430. What are we thinking? I hate to say this, but I'm probably a 250. 250. Unless the fans unless the fans rally and keep seeing this, uh, I don't I don't see it have enough legs. The fall off from Friday to Saturday to Sunday over the weekend, if you look at the three day breakdown, was pretty dramatic. Opening day was great, uh, or was solid, and then it had a fall off. And, you, and a lot of times, Saturday is actually a bigger day um, to follow up the Friday uh, launch. And it just—I'm afraid that it's gonna—it's gonna be. Uh, oh, dude! I was gonna mention him early. <laughs> he, one, how many cameras did that guy bring? And two, um, that character was the human connection in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I love that character. And uh, I, I don't want to get into spoilers, but that guy is literally the representative for all mankind in a weird way, which is so awesome. Um, but I, I feel like 250 is sadly, if it cracks three, I'd be surprised just because of the negative momentum coming out of the gate right now. It's not going to get the second time views. And there's a lot of people who are maybe on the fence that will just for it to come to uh, um, Disney Plus, which is sad because this movie should be seen in a theater also. All right. I don't disagree with any of your points. I am choosing to be a little more optimistic. I mean, I say optimistic and it's still going to be disappointing. But uh, so we're looking about what, 390 for Black Widow and Black Widow is also available on Disney Plus that day. And I think Black Widow is also Personally, for me, even though it seemed to be received better, it was a subpar film. I am going to put this movie at, and I feel kind of wishy-washy about this. I've bounced around like six times since thinking about it. I'm going to give it 340, um, which I I, I, we, I hope it gets up to like 400 at least, because that that is enough during the pandemic era that it really paints a good uh, it's sign. It's going to need people. a big international push. It is. Um, because it's, it's probably going to next weekend drop all the way down to what twenty five million next weekend follow up. Because um, right as of right now, it, it's not quite at two hundred. But I'm looking at look at Dune. Dune worldwide has now cracked the three hundred mark 
and it opened at $30 million or 30 something million dollars. So it's possible, but Dune's also being received better. Yeah. I'll see what some of these predictions. Hey, Koi, welcome to the chat, buddy. I said, I'm proud of both of you for being on the right side of this discussion. No, it's true. If you like, you know, um, there's a lot of things where I'm like, hey, I want to hear your opinions, you know, let us know if you like this, love this, but there's some things that I'm just going to stand on. If I lose subscribers over it, like I'm perfectly fine with it. Like there's certain messages that need to go out there and need to be told. And like, I, I think there is a right or wrong side to certain things in this world. So absolutely. Um, and Koi also coming in says it's, uh, Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm assuming the powers that be will know well enough not to trust rotten tomatoes or, uh, I'm assuming that's box office on this one. Yeah. One thing that I'll always commend Kevin Feige on that um, we never really we're, we're not getting as much with like Hamada or the people that over at DC is Marvel's never really been reactionary, if, with the exception of maybe Black Widow being a really late reaction. But uh, they stay the course and and they will learn and they will adapt, but they don't make any immediate decisions. And I think that Kevin Feige was very confident in this film as they were doing the press releases and stuff for it. He was more proud, like, when Shang-Chi was coming out, Kevin Feige was talking about Eternals more than Shang-Chi. So I think the, the studio's happy with the movie. That's warranted, because it's a good movie. Like, I'm still dumbfounded at 48%. If the if the critics had said 70 and the fans said 85, okay, perfect. Yeah, that's what I like. I, I, it's I'm the okay drop like, to a 48. It just doesn't add up mathematically. Because I, I I understand film is subjective. I'm always going to be on different sides of things. But I I like you said seventy percent. Like I could understand this being mixed. But at forty eight, it's not mixed. Forty eight means the majority of critics do not recommend this movie, and that baffles me. All right, so we're almost we're at fifty minutes already. We do have other topics to get onto. We kind of put two two together, so that's okay. I expected this to be a longer episode because <laughs> I have so many bottled emotions and feelings talking about Eternals. And it's not just the movie itself. I love the movie. If you want to go on our Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, listen to my audio review first out of uh, the theater. And also I'm, I'm on Letterboxd. You can look Jesse Swift up on Letterboxd. I got a few movie entries on there. I got two Dune movies, uh, Last Night in Soho and Eternals on there. So check that out. Uh, but let's talk about uh, moving forward here. This thing that just came out, which uh, I don't know if Koi is still in the chat, but um, the first person I saw post this was Koi Jandru on Instagram. And I commented on it. I was like, this looks fake. <laughs> um, and I say that because, you know, you can, if you look uh, to the, off to the right middle up there in the corner, you see a green goblin put there. And I was like, you zoom in, it looks straight out of Spider-Man one, but the fact that it's so obscure and just pointed in there, like almost like a, really shoddy easter egg it really felt like um a fan a fan poster but the thing is i've seen better fan posters i know boss logic has done better i mean you can google spider-man no way home posters and get a million things better we've waited months for this and everything looks like this is the high res version everything looks like blurry out of focus and like crammed in there they're like look there's sand sand man look at the lightning bolt electro look we got goblin back there and i was like this this looks Sorry. like Sam Raimi's <laughs> Spider-Man trilogy slapped with the Tom Holland suit. Right. Because that's what oh, it that, is. I mean, that's the other thing. Bring this up. This pose is from the end of the 
trailer that we got. It's literally like cropped out of him on top of the car sitting there. And so everything about this seems like really rink-a-dink and low-grade um, junior high quality. And, all and we had Empire Magazine covers, which I don't have downloaded at the moment, that were more colorful, vibrant, grab your attention. And this says nothing to me about the movie. Like, I'm not saying this reflects on the film. There's nothing, so nothing in there is something we weren't aware of. Right. And to me, Sony, I think, uh, they're not, they're not great at, um, posters. Honestly, if you go back and look at most of the homecoming or far from home posters, they don't grab me. The movies are always better than the posters. Um, spider uh, galaxy. Geek, uh, is it wrong to say that I wish it wasn't in the iron spider? Suit? No, I wish it would have been in spider suit. Yeah. I wish it would just been in the classic Spider-Man suit. I wanted um, that to be a one and done infinity war and then i'm good and they right. just keep leaning on it uh give me the toby Maguire suit with tom holland inside of it have you seen those <laughs> behind, have you seen those behind the scenes images from civil war when they were filming tom holland he was in like a more traditional suit with the raised webbing and stuff and mm -hmm. i was like that behind the scenes shot looks better than the movie yeah you couldn't even see the webbing on a suit in the movie but anyways we'll get off Any, a million tangents Oh, dude, that is that is what we are here for. If anyone did not know, we are here to go off on tangents. Uh, I want to know what what you guys think. Did you guys like the poster? <laughs> are we overreacting? Uh, Maddie says, "Can we use action movie trope of enhancing the image to see if that's Defoe?" Well, if we zoom in, it does look very much traditionally like the Sam Raimi Green Goblin. He's got the big Power Rangers helmet on. It re it reminds me of an episode of Lois and Clark when Dean Cain's Clark takes an image that's really grainy and blurred and he zooms in with his eyes and it somehow adds pixels to add clarity to the license plate on a car picture. I'm like, that's not how photos work. That's That would be trying to get in to see if it was Willem Dafoe in the picture. And what's interesting, we've, we've had um, some leaks that supposedly seem legit of the Willem Dafoe like, concept art in the Green Goblin. It looks like his costume is going to be like, similar but a little battle-worn and different. And that's not really represented in this why put the Green Goblin in there? I just keep like circling back to like why are things in this poster if they're not going to be like focused on or like given their due space? It's just sloppy. I'll just yeah. I'll say that it's sloppy. Yeah, it that that does nothing for me. If I saw that image and like as a as a trailer or a as a hey here's the the in the light box at the theater like here's the upcoming image for Spider-Man. I'd walk past it, look at it and go, okay. Whereas a good poster, you stop and you start actually taking it in for a moment. And that one's just like, okay, Spider-Man. Cool. Didn't we already see that Spider-Man? <laughs> uh, anything else to say about the poster? It's funny. We spend like 40 minutes talking about Eternals, but like, you know, poster, it's about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's nothing to that poster. If they had Personally. done something or been better. Yes, uh, enhance. <laughs> computer, enhance. Uh, that's awesome. All right. Well, let's just go on to our final thing, which is uh, our, we end every episode talking about what we are reading and watching. And you did a solid on my recommendation and listened to Dune in its entirety. So I did one for you. I will adjust, uh, address Galaxy Geeks here really quick. Do you think they need a new trailer soon? Well, the movie is, I believe, a month and some change away. So we need at least one more official main trailer, I think. Uh, Probably I think, be a Thanksgiving drop. 
that's a good that's a good time for it. I say need, but honestly, they don't need it. But what I appreciate is that Sony is so like someone to overmarket. If you remember when Amazing Spider-Man 2 was coming out, 20 minutes of that movie was released through marketing. Like they even did, here's the first 10 minutes of the movie and it just went on YouTube and you could watch it. Um, and I think Marvel's probably like, you need to bring it way back. And one of the reasons I'm hearing the trailer's been delayed is because there's characters, likely possibly Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, that are in this movie that Sony wants to put in the next trailer and Marvel's saying, no, don't do it save it for the movie and i agree i think i want to see more but not more more you know like don't i'd like to see like more images but like don't i don't need more reveals and i know that's hard but to do don't don't ruin what could be a beautiful thing because could you imagine the energy in the theater on a midnight screening opening day when toby mcguire andrew garfield and tom holland all hit the screen same time like literally people jumping out of their seats applauding. Like, well, I don't care. So, uh, like it would have the, the buzz and energy. If they do that right, would be incredible. Don't blow that. Um, Galaxy Geek saying, I think the trailer might come this week due to Ghostbusters. I believe Ghostbusters isn't this Thursday night, but next Thursday night, um, I'm going to get tickets for it. Absolutely. But whenever Ghostbusters does drop, I think that is a good point. Cause that is a Sony film. Uh, I would love to see another trailer and then like, stop. I do not need a thousand TV spots or Instagram bits uh, before this comes out. I, they're, they're saying that this is like Spider-Man Endgame, and seeing Toby and Andrew in the trailer to me is the equivalent of when they're doing in-game marketing. If we would have seen Cap catch Mjolnir in the trailer. Yeah. You, you would have lost that whole moment. Don't ruin that. Leave it, save it. Let that be the reason people go to the theater. And then when people hear about it, let other people, let that be the reason other people run to the theater. Um, I'm going to address this really quick. And again, guys, if you're in the live chat, uh, there is a poll in the chat if you want to vote on how much you predict Eternals will make. Uh, right now we're looking at 33%. think it's going to make more than $400 million. That is optimistic, but I love it. And then the other 67% are more in line with you, Scott, and they think it's going to make less than 300 uh, I, and I hate to say that because oh, it deserves too. better. It deserved better in the same way that Black Widow deserved to be out 10 years earlier. Absolutely. Or five years earlier, but whatever. Uh, this Eternals does deserve more, but we're, we're going backwards. All right. Circling, circling back. What are you, what are you watching and reading? I know you're, you're really busy this week, but man, well, uh, I, so audiobooks, I, I digested Dune, and after I got done with Dune, I went back and rehashed some books that I've listened to a hundred times. So I restarted the Harry Potter series, worked my way through that just uh, while I was at work. But watching, uh, so two things, and I do want to take a moment to touch on these. Uh, uh, first one is, remember, remember the 5th of November, Gunpowder Treason and Plot. I see no reason the Gunpowder Treason should ever be forgot. On HBO Max is a three-part miniseries uh, called Gunpowder, starring Kit Harrington. Outstanding. They did a really good job with that series. It's three episodes. They're all a little over about about Guy Fox. No, no, no. It's about the guy who actually coordinated Guy Fox is a part of the story, but it's the guy uh, who uh, uh, Catesby I'm I'm blanking on his first name, but last name's Catesby. And he was the actual that's who Kit Harrington plays. And he's the guy who really is the brains and the, the weight behind the operation. 
Um, and oh. it's a really good miniseries. Gun Thank Pop. you for bringing that to our attention because I had no idea that was a thing that existed. Yeah, I saw it and I'm a huge, um, well, V for Vendetta is one of my favorite uh, underrated comic book superhero movies ever. Um, it's it's so, so well done. And Hugo Weaving's my man. Um, but uh, because of that and knowing that, uh, uh, yeah, Gunpowder is really good. And knowing that the 5th of November was coming up inter- in in light of that, I went ahead and watched the miniseries and I was thoroughly pleased. Now, um, uh, there is some graphic visual so be prepared uh it is it's not for the faint of heart uh because the way they tortured and killed people back in uh um the 1600s was not nice yeah um so gonna, and they do that justice i going back really quick to the, the spider-man trailer galaxy's saying uh hoping the trailer releases at night like the last one helps react with the day job yeah since uh the first no way home trailer i've only done like two trailer reactions I did like the Boba Fett trailer and the No Way Home trailers because they're always when I'm at work. And if you wait six hours, there's no point in doing a trailer reaction when your channel of this size, which by the way, please subscribe. <laughs> Get us up there on subscriptions. Um, I, because I believe Disney Plus Day is Friday. I will not be around to do any live reactions, unfortunately, because I work until like seven o'clock at night. But we will definitely be discussing and covering the news from it on the speakeasy and also news and views next week. Uh, uh, so please check that out. So the uh, just to wrap up the second one, the other one, and I uh, when I was at your house the other day, I mentioned the show uh, Made, and it's M A I D. It's about a, a housekeeper. It's on Netflix. It's a mini series. <sighs> it's really hard to watch. Um, it's about domestic violence, abuse, uh, addiction. Um, and how hard it is to break out of that cycle. And it's really challenging to watch, but it's really good to watch. And it's one of those shows where um, if you've ever been victim of psychological or mental abuse or verbal abuse, um, it it can be tough to digest, but so good. And uh, it's, worth the, it's worth a view because of how um, powerful the message is in it. Uh, and just with that, just... Uh, if anybody is watching and you need help, reach out. Don't uh, don't keep that stuff to yourself. It's okay to say something. But that show made uh, caught me off guard. Uh, having been somebody who has been uh, part been part of uh, mental and a, a kind of um, verbal abuse in prior relationships, and had that done to me, uh, it had a I had a visceral reaction watching it. Uh, to the point it was so hard to sit through. And I, by the end of it, I found myself weeping quite a bit in the final episode. So uh, definitely a great show, um, a hard one kind of outside of the realm of the stuff we normally uh, uh, geeked them, but it's powerful. Absolutely. Um, different different mindsets for what we're, what we're watching this week. But I will say for reading, uh, being inspired by Scott, I did listen to the entirety of <clears throat> Fellowship of the Ring on Audible. So that was fun. And I'm making a lot of correlations between... Yes, sir. Can I ask the question? Did you listen to the um, the older recordings done by recorded books from the 1990s? Or did you listen to the brand new Andy Circus recorded versions of the audiobooks? The Andy Circus, they're both great, but they're different. Uh, I don't know if I should be concerned, but I did listen to the Andy Circus version. No, no, no. 
Um, the older ones are very good, and I enjoy them. The Andy Circus ones are even better. Okay. Uh, he's a great voice, great storyteller. He's an actual. Uh, he, I I've list, I own both sets, and I actually uh, love them both for different reasons. But the Andy Circus version is so good. I'm glad to know that's the one you you got in on. And I, I just gotta say hello to Brennan Marr in the Twitch chat. There, hey buddy, how you doing? Thanks for joining on the show. Um, so yeah, what was interesting to me listening to Fellowship of the Ring is the amount of correlations I made between that and Dune in the manner of their adaptation, because. There's a lot that's not in the movie, even extended version, like whole subplots of things that were just either hinted at or not in there at all. Not that it is to the detriment of the film in any way. The Peter Jackson Middle Earth films, the first three, are masterpieces. I will not detract from them whatsoever. Just different. And it's very much how I felt about Dune. There's more in the book. The movie is fantastic still. With that, stuff that I am watching... Um, I, for some reason, uh, watched, I had only ever seen The Conjuring 2 and The Nun out of that franchise. And so Lauren and I did a quick binge and watched Conjuring 1 and 2. I really enjoyed the first movie. 2 feels like a goofy cartoon. Not a fan. Uh, we might watch more. I know there's like three Annabelle movies. There's The Nun. There's La, La Llorona. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we're going to pass Halloween, but we might still watch some spooky stuff. But outside of that, we watched more Young Justice, almost caught up there. And then uh, season, I think it's season four or five of Big Mouth, which is just one of the most irreverent, guilty pleasure cartoons that I watch. Because it is, for anyone that doesn't know, Big Mouth is a dramatization of puberty as told by immature adults. I think it's the best way to summarize it. And... It's it's a lot of people that show is not for, but it, it speaks to me. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of what I've been watching this week. And if you guys in the chat, let us know what are you are you reading anything? Are you watching anything? And Maddie says I'm back in my Scrubs rewatch for the millionth time. Can never go wrong there. Scrubs is a fantastic show. <laughs> I was always more of a Scrubs guy than a Friends guy, to be honest, growing up. And I know that's that's a spicy meatball, but both good shows. But I, I love Scrubs. Uh, and I just want to say also, I went a year and a half without going to the theater. And then I got to go see Dune and Eternals, basically two weeks apart. <sighs> it's good it's to be nice. back, right? It's nice. And oh, we got... There's just something different about the theater than watching at home. Let me, let me take, this, take a moment right here. So coming soon, in November 19th, we have Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, also at the end of the month, we have Encanto from Lin-Manuel Miranda, the, uh, the Disney film, which looks very charming. We also have House of Gucci coming out on the same day. Ridley Scott's next film. Ridley Scott's Adam Driver out. looks really good in that. Absolutely. Well, Gaga also looks fantastic oh. in the lead role. Um, let's see what else we got. Uh, next month, we have West Side Story and Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, the King's Man, after being delayed like 60 times, is finally coming out in December. Uh, Sing 2. I haven't seen the first Sing. I heard the first one was very charming. You um, should have kids. You'll <laughs> never see the end of Sing. <laughs> well, it, it looks good. It's got Bono in it. Uh, and that comes out... Well, there's an early screening in November, and then it comes out in December. What else is coming out there? Uh, Scream. 
the Batman's coming out in just a few months, buddy. I know. Batman's I do, right around the corner. Now, uh, Matty said that he did see King Richard last night, and it was really good. I do want to see that about the, awesome. the Williams sisters and their dad, uh, Richard. Um, Will Smith. That, that looks really – yeah, Will Smith is – man, he's got a knack for nailing biopics. Um, uh, uh, Brendan Marr saying Midnight Mass is one I would recommend. Absolutely. We, Me and Video Drew were on Speakeasy a few nights ago talking at nauseum uh, about uh, Midnight Mass. Fantastic show. That's the hardest thing right now is there's so much content out there. <laughs> well, it's, Pick I one. Keep getting, people it's keep so telling hard. Me, like, hey, you want to watch this? And I'm like genuinely interested in it. Like so, I forgot what the last thing was somebody told me. I was like, ooh, cool. I'll put it at number six. Like I'm yep. so excited it'll be number six. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's hard to say what you're most excited for when there's a million things to look at. And I'll be honest, man, I'm I'm, I'm glad they're staggered coming out because if there was any of these things coming up that were on the same weekend, I'd be like, you got to be kidding me. Um, But House of Gucci and Encanto, but I mean, you're a family man, so I can guess which one you're going to. Yeah, uh, House of Gucci will have to wait. Um, But uh, I uh, let me the closer it gets. I'm super pumped for uh, Ghostbusters, man. I'm hearing really good things. It's yeah. now had a couple different screenings, and even some of the people that I follow are like, "This is great. This is really good." And it is being directed, I believe, by Jason Reitman, um, the son of Ivan Reitman, and so it just spiritually is there so much more than the 2016 reboot. They rebooted it in 2016. <laughs> we don't talk about it. There's, enter- there's entertainment value in that movie. Not as much as Eternals. <laughs> Eternals I bet you. you know what? No, no. I'm doing this right now. I bet you. You got to see which one's higher rated. If that movie is higher rated, I'm walking out and never coming back to this podcast. <laughs> Don't blame That's me not true. That's it. not true. Because I people are dumb. Okay. Oh, my gosh. No, 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 no. All right. I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to bring it up. <laughs> Oh, this is funny. This is the polar opposite of Eternals, actually. Uh, let's see. We're, we're, we're almost done here, everybody, but I, I cannot end the show without uh, pulling this up. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. So what is that? That's like... 26 this is the exact opposite yeah (laughs) like the critics gave now this is ghostbusters afterlife right no no no. this is ghostbusters this is the reboot this is the melissa mccarthy and okay no you're right afterlife is the one that's coming out now which uh critics have already got it up to a 74 but the seriously a 49 seems accurate. Not how do those have flip numbers from Eternal? I don't know. That's... And how did critics recommend that that high? Three quarters of people who went and saw that movie in the theater as a critic said we recommend it. And yet less than 50% of critics recommended Eternals. I'm just picturing Maddie doing his best Darth Vader. What? No. Oh my god! Well, he's got to have a zombie walk off the table in order to do it. But that's right. uh, just so. Wait, what? This 
speaks specifically to why I can't trust Rotten Tomatoes. I... Wow. All right. Well, no. with that, everyone. You know what? I'm not going to quit the show because the, the fans redeemed it and the fans rated Eternals right. higher. I'll, I'll lean on that. Holy mackerel. All right, guys. Um, uh, you know what? I think, let me check something really quick. Did I put this in the. Okay, cool. I didn't put it in the lineup, so we're fine. There was a Batman description that came out today. Sounds good. Anyways, all uh, right, closing out the show. All right, guys. So thank you, everyone that was in the chat, whether it be Maxwell Haddad, Sean Wingblade, Matty Gunner, Brendan Marr. Uh, appreciate having you guys in there. Uh, of course, your time is valuable, valuable to us. So thanks for stopping by and talking film and television with us. We did love having you. Leave a comment below after the stream, letting us know if you thumbed up the video or became a new subscriber. Subbing to the channel guarantees you weekly movie news, discussions, late night water cooler talks, and much more. With that, we just ask that you always remember to keep it real, and we will see you next time.